Quigley in five, underwater in the yellow lane. Jess Carling of Great Britain. Quigley goes through. The silver to Jess Carling. Wonderful silver medal for Great Britain. Welcome to the Honest Athletes podcast with Lauren Quigley and Jazz Carlin. Welcome to episode three of the Honest Athletes podcast. Uh, After last week, we discussed life after sport. And today's topic is competition diaries. So talking about all things racing and competitions that we've been through. It's actually quite funny, Lauren, because when I have spoken to some people, uh, some friends and family and I've said actually doing the podcast has felt a bit like therapy yeah. <laughs> I feel like because I'm actually opening up and being able to be really honest and just talk about certain things that I guess not really opened up too much about before but I think that's what's great about the podcast is that we can actually open up and talk about things that we've never actually spoke about before yeah it's funny you say that because I had a conversation yesterday with someone who was really important in my career and helped me through a lot and I said exactly the same like being able to talk about all this stuff even if no one listens to the podcast I feel like it's like unpaid (laughs) therapy for me so thanks for being my unpaid therapist Jazz and um, yeah like you said the last episode was uh, all about life after sport and the transition so you know it was a it was a bit of a longer heavier episode but I think today should be quite funny actually and even just a brief conversation before we started about um, some of the, well, you saying that you've got some funny memories in, in racing particularly. Um, so I'm obviously interested to hear that. And I've got a couple here myself. So let's get cracking. But I think, Jazz, what what were you like on race day, first of all? what what Were you really <laughs> nervous or were you having a laugh? What, you know, what were you like? Yeah, I was quite a nervous swimmer, I think before races but for me I used to think the nerves were like excitement and I used to try and use them to my advantage I always used to tell my coach I'm so nervous I'm so nervous today um but I think that was me just feeling like I was ready to race and I quite enjoy that nervous feeling um and it makes me feel like I'm ready to race and if I wasn't nervous for a competition I guess I'd probably be thinking what's wrong with me why am I not nervous yeah what (laughs) What what kind of nerves did you experience was it like butterflies or did you experience, I don't know, sweaty palms, you know, all that kind of thing? What what, what did you go through when you had nerves? Yeah, for me, it was probably in my belly. I used to feel like it was like a washing machine. Um, sometimes hands a bit shaky, those kinds of things. Um, and just really a bit panicky a bit like oh god like what if this goes wrong and all those kinds of things so yeah I think that was probably how I got nervous I mean I know a lot of people were different what about you how were you on race day um it depends it well it depends on the situation I was in if it was like a trials or a, a major competition you know something like that I was I was yeah I was I was nervous definitely nerves was something that I know everyone deals with but particularly at certain parts of my career it was um it was a bit of an issue for me and and trying to control those nerves if I was at a competition that was a bit less important and you know I could relax a little bit more I'd I love to have a joke really I like to be the joker I think even at the big ones in the courtroom I was the joker as well but I was definitely underneath you know very very nervous um and for me, yeah, it was just, I, I think, similar to you, the stomach, butterflies and everything like that. But like you said, they're, they're great to have nerves. And if you didn't have them, then you're doing something wrong, I think. So, yeah. 
do you miss that feeling at all? I think the longer everything goes on, I think I do because you forget the not the bad times, but you know the the really nervous times and the when it starts to go not in a positive way, in a negative way. And so when you start to forget that, obviously with time, you're like, oh, I really miss it. You know, I, I'd love to to experience it again. I think, but I think at the minute I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm quite happy to be in chilled and stuff like that. What about you? Because I know a lot of swimmers do or athletes do miss that feeling. I do miss that feeling, but it's weird because I actually still do get nervous for certain things. Maybe not to the same extent, but I still get nervous when I did my first ever triathlon in Lanzarote when you were yeah. there <laughs> Over Lanz- you were I was so nervous for that um I think I'm probably getting more nervous when I feel like I'm not as prepared for something or um I'm not ready but all the same they, st- they still feel horrible yeah <laughs> at times yeah, yeah they, um yeah. but yeah even I ran a 10 kilometer race for the stroke association and then I was so nervous before I'm like what is going on I still get nervous for things even though it's just a little random run around the park. I still get those nerves. <laughs> I think part of that is because of your name, Jazz Carlin, the Olympian, the Olympic silver medalist. Like, do you think that carries a bit of, oh, I'm a bit nervous here because people sort of expect, even though it's not my sport, like the Lanzarote triathlon, even though you're not a triathlete and it was your first one, um, did you did you feel like that just because you know you are who you are and it carries a, a little bit of weight with it? I don't know really. <laughs> oh no, I think, have I just brought I, something up that exists and does? No, whenever I do go to competitions, I think people are always like, oh, like expect me to go in and smash the swim or whatever. And like I'm not as anywhere near as fit as I was. And so like yeah, like my swim will always be fairly strong, but it's nowhere near as fast as what I used to be. So obviously, even when I did the triathlon and um, it's, uh, yeah, Lucy Charles was there and like she smashed me on. The, like, obviously, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't at all ready to perform. I'd been retired for quite a long time and I hadn't swam for months and months. So um, when you're up against people that do train all the time, um yeah I cannot compare (laughs) yeah no I get it I get it obviously and it's funny because in your own mind sometimes you are like oh people will probably expect me to perform really well here and I haven't swam for how long or haven't done anything for how long and so realistically like you've just said you weren't prepared you hadn't you know you're taking a break from everything and it's just funny like your mind plays tricks on you in that way doesn't it and it puts that expectation when if you look if you stand back and again perspective and look at it you go I haven't done anything how can I possibly you know expect that and, and people know that people understand that as well um when's what's the the most nervous you've ever been oh I don't know do you have a race I- that you were like oh, this is, I'm really nervous here. This, this is, this means a lot. It's not one that kind of sticks out. I think at the, at the Olympics, I was nervous, but I wouldn't say it's the most nervous I've ever been. No. Weirdly, I think I was probably the most confident I've been on the blocks because I knew that I'd done absolutely everything and I could just in, try and enjoy it. So I don't think that was actually the most nervous I've ever been. And I think back to like my first 
GB senior team. And that was at the World Championships in 2009 in Rome. And I was 18. And I think that was probably a very nervous time for me. Um, the night before, I'd qualified for the relay. And basically, we were told for the 4 by 200 meter freestyle relay. And I was on a team with Rebecca Adlington, Joe Jackson and Caitlin McClatchy. And basically in the lead up, all on the holding camp, which is where you go to train before the competition, just normally somewhere quite local to where the competition is. So it's not too far to travel. And I guess get used to the time zones. And even though Italy, it was a bit different, but get used to the time zone, the climates, we were outside training because that world championships was outside. And um, yeah, it was uh, heading into it. We were all told we're going to swim you all, all of you in the heats and the same team in the final. So I've, I, I'd qualified in fourth place. So I, it was my first GB team, the first team I'd qualified for. And obviously I was on a relay team with all these established athletes. And um, that was probably very nervous time for me heading into the, heading in the lead up. But um, we were told we'd just swim in the same team heats and finals. And then the the evening before that we were due to have the relay, um, the head coach came over and sat us all down on one meetings and said, um, yeah, we want you to, we're bringing in someone else and we want you to swim off for the place. So I had to to swim off in the heats. Um, There was three of us that had to swim off to try and get two places in the final. So they were saving two swimmers. Um, and like, oh my God, like my first team, and I had to try and swim and perform like at my best in the morning and just to try and get into the final. And I guess I was on like quite an established team. It was a really good team of people that were there. And I was that first first team, not no experience on that, at that level at all. And it just threw me off completely. And um God, I was panicking and I was so nervous and quite upset actually, because I guess I'd set myself up that this would be the same team and hopefully we qualify for final and I'd be racing in the final too. Um, so it did throw me off, but I think it also um, took me to another level. I managed to drop two seconds in my heat and have a, the swim of my life. So what time did you uh, go? So I went one fifty six. Wow. Um, I don't know the exact point. I qualified in a one fifty eight, one minute to fifty eight seconds, and um, in the heats I managed to drop two seconds ago, one fifty six. But I was swimming for my life. It was like I was swimming to um, qualify for that team, and managed to get on to the into the final four, and that's when we came away with the bronze medal. So it was like my first GB senior team, but there was a lot of like pressures around it and. Um, the nerves I was just so nervous because I felt like I was kind of like the weakest weakest leg of the of the relay and I just didn't want to let the girls down so it was like a mixture of everything and not being able to well I've not been able to perform at that level before so it was like that first first time so I think that was probably one of my uh, most nervous I've been what about you? Uh, Most nervous I know I've just asked this question to you and I'm just trying to think I was just trying to think quickly then I think I always found the trials worse than the actual major games. I think a lot of people do. And so it will, I think it will have to be a trials and it'll have to be, again, there's not really one swim that sticks out, but I think it's got to be maybe Commonwealth Games trials just because I'd made the um, senior team the year before the, uh, the World Champs in Barcelona 
And so I think that expectation was there and I knew I'd trained really hard and, you know, it was like, you should be able to do this now. So it's like that expectation of everyone sort of thinks, oh, well, you know, people have already put you in a tracksuit before you've even raced. And it's like, no, 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 I've got to qualify, you know. And so you have that expectation. Again, there's not really one, one race, I don't think. I remember being really nervous for uh, relays, like you've just mentioned, like relays were, because it's for the, you know, a lot of swimmers, the swimmers go two different ways. They get really nervous for their own races, obviously, or relays get them. And I think relays for me got me quite a few times because, you know, it's for the team. And um, I think the, the, one of the times that I was most nervous and it's going to sound crazy, but it was the hundred hundreds that we did for swim for leukemia, just because, you know, everyone wanted to swim really well for, for the cause of what we were swimming for. And also I remember being told at the start, if someone gets, if someone goes early, then you get disqualified and that's it. So I think it was like the, the hundred of the most safest takeovers you've ever seen in your life. I was like, <laughs> waiting for the person to come in before me like have you touched the wall um and so like just things like that as well you know make me nervous like things that are for the team and and for someone else really um but yeah nerves were nerves are a hard thing to get over sometimes and if you like I said if you go too nervous then it's not a great thing but I always found after I'd done a warm-up and some of the nerves had gone you know, I'd, after I'd after I'd got in and swam a bit and and I'd sort of got rid of a little bit of those nerves because I'd gone back in control of what I was doing and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting. I think um, another one, another on, one for me was um, at the Olympic trials in 2016. That was probably another time. Well, I look back and that was the most stressful, one of the most stressful weeks of my life going back to actually try and qualify for Rio after missing out on 2012 and all the stress that had gone through then. I think that was, yeah, that was a really tough week and um, missing out on the, well, not qualifying in my first two events and it was all down to my final swim. And um, yeah, 400 meter freestyle, it was just me and eight lengths of the pool to try and get my place on the team. And it was funny because, as you said, in the warm-up, that used to relax you. Well, in the warm-up, I mean, I, w- I was feeling okay. I wasn't feeling great. But when I speak to my old coach, David McNulty, now, he actually said that in the warm-up, obviously, your coach will give you a pace. So he'll t- tell you for 50 metres if you're hitting your 400-metre pace. So for me, it was normally about 30.4 to 30.6. And he told me, I think I was 30.8 or something, 30.6. And he tells me now that I was actually going 32.8 in the warm-up. Oh, God. And he said, (laughs) he was looking at me and he was like, oh, no, this is a write-off. Like, the week's just been awful. Yeah. And um, it was only when got into the race and managed to get into it and managed to actually get the qualifying time to um, be automatically selected for Rio. But apparently in the warm up, I was looking terrible and that's, yeah, I was really nervous for that as well. That's another one. I can understand why for sure. And that's, 
quick thinking for coaches, you know, to to pick to make the right decision. Obviously, Dave made the right decision there because if you'd he, have known, that wouldn't have been good. He <laughs> claims good. he never does it. He claims that it was a one-off and never happened. Oh, yeah. but he <laughs> and there it, it is actually a really interesting thought process, isn't it? That if you make your swimmers feel good in the warm-up and um, yeah, build them up. Yeah. even though that it might not be quite on it, then you've got to lift their spirits and make them feel good, make them feel ready to race. And it's true. It's an interesting one, actually. It um, is. It is. But one of the best things, best piece of advice I got in terms of the warm-ups was from James Goddard. He, when I used to, tra- when I trained with him, just for, it was only for a short time at Stockport, but it was brilliant. And we, we had some great fun and did some great sessions together as we were both backstroke. But we were at a competition and I felt awful in the warm-up. I think it was at Leeds and I just got out and I was like, oh, Jimmy, I, that was terrible. You know, I was way off my times. And Jimmy said, look, I've raced before where I've felt awful in the warm-up and swam amazing. I've also raced when I felt great in the warm-up and swam terrible. Um, and so he said, you, the warm-up, you've just got to, the aim of it is to warm up. And you've got to enter the race, clear mind, you know, just give it your all because you just don't know. You know, you can't go off the warm up um, a lot of the time. So it is interesting, really. You know, if you'd have known you were going 32s, the the mental side of racing is so huge that who knows, you know, it could have really changed how, uh, you know, the result of the race, really. I was a bit superstitious, I guess you can call it in one way, where my warm-up for years was the same warm-up. Wait, do. didn't you used to do like 50K in the warm-up? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I used to do around 2,600 metres to 3,000 metres in the warm-up. And it was actually, well, a lot of practice. But for me, I used to feel it my most warmed up when I'd done a longer warm-up. And uh, I would do exactly the same warm-up. And, yeah, my what was coach- that warm-up? My coach at the time, Bob McAllister, would just say, you need a long warm-up because even in training, it would take me a while to get going in a main set. So he was like, well, you need to do more warm-up. And so, um, yeah, used to do up to three kilometers, two and a half to three kilometers in the warm-up. And I used to actually get out uh, about 30 minutes before my race. And that was just because, again, that worked really well for me and to try and stay warm and to make sure that, I could hold on to all the warm-up gains that I'd made instead of losing it all. I guess when you when you're younger and at some of the competitions, local competitions, and you'd warm up and then you wouldn't race for three hours. And it's like, <laughs> well, there's actually not that much point in warming up if you uh, are not yeah. swimming for another two, three hours. Yeah. Um, so I used to get out about 30 minutes before and quickly get on my suit and then get ready for the cool room, which is where we all head before we race so yeah I used to do quite a long warm-up but I always remember Liam Tancock actually saying I was to me, just going to say Liam Tancock but carry on because this might be two <laughs> different stories well Liam used to say to me I don't know how much I actually do in the warm-up I don't know I don't count <laughs> he said I just go until I feel good and until um I feel ready to race and I could never have done that in my head I had to stick to the same warm-up and it just shows how many different types of personalities and athletes there are in sport that for Liam he could just get in and swim till he felt good and swim till we felt pretty good ready to race whereas I had to stick to quite a structure and a routine to get me ready to race so it's uh, it's very different actually 
Yeah, and speaking of Liam, I used to, obviously we were both backstroke and at those events, you, typically they were abroad, but when you'd have the all the events together, male and female, so if it's the 50 back, they do men's and women's and men's and women's. And um, and so we, we were racing roughly about the same time and I'd have warmed up, suited up, ready to go, like hat and goggles, like just waiting to walk around and Liam still was sat on the side, not even warmed up yet. And I used to just watch him and be like, he is so chilled. Like, I, I'd love to get to that one one day. You know, like he was just like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be fine. And and he always was as well. Like he, he obviously had his routine nailed down, which seemed to be just whenever he's fancy it getting in, you know. And like you've just said, I'll just do as much as I think I need to. And I think that's quite a, an interesting contrast between you doing two and a half to three K to someone just going, I'll, I do as much as I feel good um, but it is for people like Liam that have that that's how they deal with it and yeah. going in and swimming till they, till they feel good if he did what I did or if he did the structure and the warm-up and the set routine that I did it wouldn't work for him so for him it's like again I think for for athletes out there it's about finding what works best for you and what you feel confident what makes you feel good and ready to race I think um, that's the most important thing yeah but one of the actual funny stories i have yeah i, I was just gonna know. say let's get into the funny stories because we've not cracked it yet so go for it <laughs> one of the things i don't know whether you know but um it's Ooh. it's very known for me is i am actually a big sleep talker and sleepwalker i have heard this i have heard this so I'm normally on. heading into a competition, especially when I used to go away with GB and stuff. I used to be very nervous at like who, I, especially on the early days when I was younger and it was like my first team, I used to be nervous, like who I was going to share with. And I would say to them, look, I'm really sorry. I do sleep talk um, and that kind of thing because I had to warn them and I didn't want to be like so embarrassed turning up to my first kind of GB teams and I'm talking in my sleep all the time yeah especially when you don't know what you're actually about to say in your sleep mm. and there was one competition actually where I was at the European short course and I was I was sharing a room with Amy Wilmot and again I think it was one of my early days it was one of my first kind of European short course I mean I wasn't a massive fan of short course at the time and um I remember, so I woke up, put everything in my bag, got ready, got myself all sorted, ready to go down for the heats in the morning session. And uh, Georgia Davis had said, look, knock on my door because we were similar kind of times. We'll go down, warm up together. And um, yeah, basically knocked on Georgia's door and she wasn't answering. I was like, this is strange. I looked down at my phone and it was half one in the morning. So basically I'd imagined oh, that my alarm had gone off oh, and that gosh. it was, uh, or I just, yeah, thought my alarm had gone off. I got up, hadn't even checked the time, got ready, um, left my room and then got ready to, well, I was knocking on Georgia's door. Luckily she didn't actually wake up, but uh, yeah, looked down at my phone and it was half one in the morning oh, just. and yeah so did Amy quickly. not wake up did Amy not go what are you doing well, no, I think one thing when you share with people you get used to someone leaving at a certain time yeah. and later you kind of just adapt and you try and just get your sleep sometimes earplugs um but yeah that was one thing I used to talk in my sleep all the time sometimes sleepwalk I've actually locked myself out of a hotel room before 
or that was at a, nas- a nationals when I was younger oh, I locked no. myself out of a hotel room and so yeah it's quite known I did it a lot more when I was younger I don't feel like I do it as much now yeah but it's normally when I'm in a new place or like a hotel it's like somewhere that's not my bed I yeah. sound crazy right now <laughs> no no you don't you don't because I was literally just going to interject and say jazz I do the same I sleep talk I don't sleep walk I think I used to when I was little but I sleep talk and it's funny you just mentioned you ruined with Amy Wilmot because Wilmot was my roommate for the majority of my time on the GB team and so you obviously got her ready for me because then I obviously sleep talked um, <laughs> every time I was rooming with her and she just got used to it in the end I think once though I did sit up just bolted sit up in the middle of the night and I don't know I if do I sat something but I was just looking around and the next morning Amy was like I was terrified last night because you just sat bolt upright just looked around didn't say anything and apparently she was like are you all right Lauren and I was just I was just obviously in my own world but, um, but sometimes I actually shout in my sleep and I'm yeah. like in real life or in in awake life yeah. uh, I don't shout so like why do I want to shout in my sleep <laughs> that's why because you don't, don't do it in real life I'm letting it all out <laughs> <laughs> I am um, have you ever had have you ever had one of those apps where it, it downloads downloads it records you in your sleep and then yes. you can listen to it the next day because I did a few years ago and I listened to it back and I was singing Katy Perry's Dark Horse song but I didn't know the words and I was like full-on singing this song in the recording and it was the most hilarious but also terrifying things I've heard because I was just like where's that come from but have you ever heard anything on on one of those apps well so um one one time I have been able to it was uh, my ex-partner and he said, God, you're just sleep talking all the time. And like you're shouting and all this kind of stuff. He said, I'm going to record you. So he downloaded the app, got the app. And then every time that he pressed record, I wouldn't, wouldn't like say a whisper in the night. Really? And it was like that. I don't know whether it was like my mind knew it was conscious. Being... It was like, yeah. don't say anything. <laughs> like, don't, keep don't it in, jazz. keep it in. <laughs> so the only times it's actually ever been recorded and I wonder how that is. We'll have to get a sleep expert on and just like find out what what's going on with us. <laughs> um, but um, I, I, a funny story in terms of racing for me. I've got I've got one here. It was at the World Champs in Kazan. It was the fifty back. Everyone in the courtroom just seemed to be in a great mood, and so I had well, it was Missy Franklin, Emily Seabom, uh, Maddie Wilson was in there, Mia Nielsen, and it was just. The, the the music was blasting in the stadium and we were just having a great old time, like a, a nice little party. And if anyone, obviously normally the core room is serious. I must say like we were taking it seriously, <laughs> but we were also having a good time at the same time. And with it being the 50, it was, you know, a bit more chilled. And um, because we were having a good time and dancing away and stuff like that, and we were under the stands, we didn't actually hear them announce us walk out. So we were actually late to walk out for our lanes. So they'd obviously said, I don't know what lane I was in, but whatever lane, Lauren Quigley from Great Britain, no one walked out because I was still in the courtroom dancing away. And it was on TV. And um, I just remember literally legging it out after that, after we'd realised, like, I think there's about four of us that had missed our queue. 
and um, legged it out on TV. And then, you know, when you go to the wrong lane and it's just all awkward. And <laughs> and it, it was funny, though. And I suppose it got the adrenaline going for the race. And because it was a 50, it was all good. But, um, yeah, that was a moment that was I look back on and I, I do laugh to myself because I just think and uh, uh, anywhere anywhere any time in the world why would you do it on tv at the world championships but then there you go <laughs> that's just me i suppose something uh, that's so great is about the competitions is you do make some amazing friends and i guess you do get to know a lot of the people that you're racing against and some of them well i still keep in touch with quite a lot of them and it's nice like the friendships and things that you can make along the way and i guess racing along the circuit you get to i get I think as British guys, you get to know a lot of the European swimmers. So, because you're doing a lot of competitions around Europe, so you get to know a lot of them very well. Um, one funny story, actually, I was in Menostrum in Monaco and um, I, yeah, put my shampoo in, wash mid shampoo, washing my hair. And, yeah. <laughs> and an athlete, get, an athlete was in the shower, another athlete. Yeah. I don't know the name. Um, but anyway, I'm mid shampoo. No, no, I don't. Mid shampoo. <laughs> and just next to me. And then all of a sudden, she just squatted down and started going for a wee right in front of me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you do you. Sure. So, like, I think as Brits, we are so like conservative sometimes and like. Towel around you. Yeah. And we're just like. But anyway, I couldn't escape. I, I was mid-shampoo. Oh. Otherwise, I'd have to leave with all the bloody soap suds in my hair. So, yeah, I just had to just... What like, did you do? Did you make and... eye contact with her? Did you... Hell no. I had to just try and look away and just get this shampoo out of my hair. Eye contact morning. Did you condition or were you like, this is too far. I need to get out of it. I think I just carried on just like nothing had happened. I, don't, I didn't really know what You should have joined in. Made it that awkward. <laughs> oh god what? yeah I, you go through those times I remember going to European juniors and um we we're all in the showers and they were communal showers we we're all in the showers after one of the sessions what I think probably heats on the first day and um so we're all like you say the the British are well all of us you know around towels around us and nothing on show and um there was a team in particular that I'm not going to name, but they all came into the showers, stripped off, communal showers as well, I'll just say again, stripped off and just started shaving the bits in front of us. And honestly, I, I didn't know where to look. The, you know, do you eye contact? Do you talk to them? Do you mid-shampoo leg it? Do you? I didn't know what to do. And it was such an eye-opener, especially being a European junior team. Um, you're not really exposed to that so much obviously from as much as you are on the senior team and it was just like a oh wow okay this is happening um what do we do in this situation but uh, again just things you look back on and laugh really and just think it's it's, it's funny as the British team we are all wrapped up all the time and towels around us and getting changed on poolside though that's a skill that you learn in swimming isn't it <laughs> yeah in some places it's frowned upon but I think you just kind of get used to it don't you yeah you have to adapt adaptability yeah <laughs> <laughs> jazz question drugs test do you remember your first ever drugs test was it our competition god i actually forgot about all the drugs tests i forgot yeah. about all those and um for everyone that doesn't know so if once you get to a certain level in swimming they put you on whereabouts so you basically have to 
give where you are going to be for an hour every single day of the year. So you have to be like, I will be at home between 7 and 8 p.m. Or I will be at the swimming pool at this time or whatever. Um, So that's where you actually have to be in that hour. So they can turn up at any time in that hour. They can also turn up during the day um, where you say you might be at training or whatever. But if it's not your designated hour of the day, you don't have to be there. So they could just be a random drugs test or they could come at your hour. And so if they do come at your hour and you're not there, you do get a strike and three strikes and you get a ban, I think. Is that how it works? For three strikes, yeah. Three strikes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue, please, Jazz, sorry. Yeah, so I actually don't remember my first drugs test. So you basically have to take your bottoms down they have to you have to kind of lift your top up a little bit and they have to actually see you going for a wee you have to wee in a cup yeah and yeah in a cup yes and yeah and then I was on the blood passport as well so they had to take my blood as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah first drug test I don't actually remember I think the worst one was um at the commonwealth games in india actually and i had to do a three i basically was naked and had to do a 360 spin oh (laughs) making sure they checked checked there was nothing they could see everything yeah Um, and yeah so you get you do get used to them don't you you get used to them but it is invasive someone watching you going for a week basically (laughs) yeah yeah and it's it is an invasive process but you know, you do it to basically go, I'm cool, go for it. And to hopefully catch the ones that are doing the wrong thing, really. And so it's just a process you have to go through as as you get into that top bracket of in your sport. I think early doors, it's like quite, it can feel quite intrusive and like, oh my God, I can't wee. And some people take Stage hours fright. and hours <laughs> and you have to wait. You have to wait until yeah. you can go. Yes. And also if your sample is too hydrated, so you've drank too much water, they can't actually take that sample. So you've then got to wait even longer. So some people will be there hours and hours waiting to get a sample to then leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably one of the toughest things is, um, having to actually go in front of someone but if it's too hydrated you've got to wait again and seeing people just waiting for hours and hours um the worst is when they turn up at your house at night and you're about to go to bed and the door goes and you just think and you've just been that's the worst being for a pre a pre bedtime we we all know it and then they knock on the door and you have to obviously open the door and you can be sat there watching tv with them for (laughs) um hours like Joshua said hours till you need another way it's you know it's a process it's not the best process ever but you know it is what it is and I always used to when I was actually doing the way and they were watching me I'd be having a chat with them in the end and I'd just be like so did you watch last night or have you seen this or just because you know they I suppose they get bored at times you know just sitting around waiting for someone to wait it's a weird thing isn't it I do actually feel quite bad because in the lead up to Rio, especially, I was probably being drugs tested two or three times a week. Yeah. And that's someone either comes to your house or to the pool or whatever. So I was getting tested a lot. And again, when you say when they come at nighttime, they could come at half eight, nine o'clock at night. And 
that was a lot of the time. And as an athlete and as a swimmer, like I was so tired and you have to be up the next morning at 6, 6am or whatever to go training. And like I would be quite grumpy and I know they are just doing their job, but like, I, I, I think I've fallen asleep before, um, like on the sofa and yeah. like, if, if you can't go, you can't go. And it's no. like them just waiting. And, um, that, that is that is really really tough is when like they come night time I think one one f- funny story for me obviously when the Olympics after well after winning my first silver medal um in Rio and obviously everyone that's a medalist has to get a drugs test so the finals actually were like 10 till 1 a.m 10 p.m at night till 1 a.m in the morning because of the tv rights and all that kind of thing and so by the time I'd actually got back to the athletes village and things like that it was about 3 a.m half to 3 a.m after all the drugs test media and things like that and like I'd won my first silver medal right like dream come true won my first medal and obviously get back and I get to the dining hall and like I'm sat just eating like chicken and pasta like on my own thinking like yeah like I've just like achieved my first medal and there was like no one to celebrate with it was oh. the same Oh. This after the second one and like I'd finished my Olympics and everyone was like oh there was no one there so I was on my after my second medal when I'd finished competing and um I sat in dining hall and I was just eating pizza and ice cream sat on my own thinking what is life oh. but <laughs> the drugs test after the medals and like it can be random as well you can randomly yeah. have drugs so um yeah and all for like having the clean sport and like I was oh, happy to do it yeah. and it's quite good because it means that you can actually pee on demand most of the time yeah now, which well I I'm to be fair I'm not the worst I'm sure they have people that just never can wee I I normally need a wee all the time so I'm you know it, it's never been too long for me but I do remember my first senior team um and it was Barcelona world champs 2013 and it was the 50 back final I'd made the final which was great but I came eighth in the final so technically last in the final and you know when you get out of the pool you can see if they've got your accreditation with someone with a clickboard and you know that oh here we go <laughs> and um and because I'd come eight I was like I hadn't done the best time and I was a bit frustrated and I remember just looking at them with my accreditation and just thinking I came last like clearly if I'm on them they're not working so can you do someone else um but it was fine it wasn't a you know it wasn't a annoying process I think I went straight away so it's all good but yeah it's uh it's just another thing that athletes have to be mindful of and whereabouts and everything um where's the the best pool you've ever raced at for the call room because I have one pool that I went to that was unbelievable the call room I could have sat in there all day and so I was wondering if you I'll go on to that in a minute but I was wondering if you ever had an unreal call room experience or were they all just in a room or on poolside or I don't really remember the call rooms that well I don't know I can't really remember them that well for me it was always about just I know you used to have a joke and laugh around I'd have the odd chat with people around but most of the time it was kind of like focusing in focusing on the race and thinking about my race plan and all those kinds of other things so I don't really remember the cool rooms that well did you ever race in Marseille yes so that's what I'm talking about because you were behind the blocks which had a screen behind the blocks so you couldn't see the call room 
and it was looking out to sea and you could go in for oh, a dip after yeah. your race do you remember that call room was on un- i could have just sat in there like go off and race I'm, this view is unbelievable <laughs> Um, I was thinking you meant like a call room that was like, I don't know, there was a lot going on. Oh, that oh, hey, any call room that I was in, I was trying to make sure there was a lot going on. Um, we Marseille never in, is amazing, though. Marseille is unbelievable. We were never in the call room together, were we? No, 200 frees. I think I did one, maybe. Oh. <laughs> when when I'd, you would have just gone, oh, look at this idiot in the lane, lane one over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at the end, love. <laughs> in terms of racing, you mentioned superstitions before. I don't think in the in the respect of that you had any, but did you have any suspicions before your race? Like you had to wear a certain cap this way or you had to do this kind of stretch or anything like that? Or were you just like out, ready to go? It was mainly just the warm-up and the routine, the routine of it all. I would always stick to the same routine and same warm-up. And I guess like if I hadn't, done the warm-up and things I think yeah that would have thrown me off a little bit but I tried not to stick to like having certain things certain ways because I didn't want it to like play on my mind even more Mm -hmm. but yeah even when you look back into in Rio at the Olympics one of the buses uh which had four of the 50 meter freestyle semi-finalists on I think it was four including Fran Horsall, one of GBs. And yeah, it went to the wrong uh, facility or wrong location. I think it went completely in the wrong direction. And so all of these girls, which obviously had their routine, their warm-up and everything planned, planned enough time to get there, had all been thrown out of the thing. So I think you've kind of got to be prepared that things can go wrong and Mm -hmm. that you've just got to be prepared that you're going to make it work. So I think think that would have thrown me off a lot. But I guess for a 50, it's not as much, but when I'm doing like big warm ups and things, that would have really thrown me off. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, in terms of me, superstitions wise, I'd have lucky socks. I'd have one Superman, one Batman from Primark, loved them, got like 50 pairs uh, in the end, just so that I wasn't wearing the same because that's a bit rank. And also, and I don't think anyone really knows this other than family, but for backstroke racing, as soon as the whistle goes to get in, if I wasn't the first one in the water, I'd have less chance of winning the race. So I always try to enter the water first and no one knew that. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and some people were quick getting in that water. I tell you, so I'd be like, as soon as that whistle went, I'd be straight in. I had to, I had to try and get in. And so, yeah, I had weird little things like that, really. I didn't have any particular stretches or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, I had to be first in the water, which, you know, you look at and you think, what an idiot. But for me. No, but I've seen people that are like, that fight to be last in the water. And there'll be like two people standing on the, standing on the end and where everyone's just waiting for them to get in, but none of them, they both want to be last out, last in the water. And I'm like, "Mm, someone's got a cave and it's not going to affect your race whether you get in last or not. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's crazy. But, um, so when you get on the blocks, before take your marks, you're already down or are you stood up like Ben Proud and then go down? I'm already down. Already down. I am. I'd fall in if I did Ben Proud. Yeah. I don't know how he stands I, up and then goes down. I always think I'd just lose balance and fall in. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't the most powerful off the block, so 
Um, it didn't make that much difference to me, to be honest, <laughs> to be in already. <laughs> Straight in, don't even stand up at all, just crawl onto the wall. <laughs> <laughs> what number did you have the ledge on? I think it was two or three. Okay. Two or three. Yeah. Mix it up sometimes. Didn't, didn't stick to the same Treat one. yourself, put on one. What about you? And five. <laughs> the back straight wedges they would have thrown me off because i've seen them go wrong too many times yeah yeah they're not so stable and i before the ledges came out i really practiced my start like so much that i didn't need a ledge to clear the water but then they brought the ledges in and then it became easier for everyone to clear the water but yeah i've seen again liam tancock's just just crumble <laughs> And he just, he didn't go forward. He just went up and down. Um, I think that was at Mare Nostrum. So yeah, it gives you anxiety, stuff like that, doesn't it? All the new, yeah. the new equipment and stuff like that. Um, have you ever had, ever had a suit rip? Yeah, right before a final, actually, at World Champs. Oh, really? Um, walked past the fridge, like it was like a low down fridge, and it just ripped all across my bum. And so oh. then... The physio uh, and all these people are holding like towels around me. So I just had to strip yeah. and then get the suit straight back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like full of like adrenaline. I didn't actually swim that bad, but I came fourth. So uh, right, <laughs> wasn't the best. Well, it wasn't the best memories. <laughs> what about yeah. you? No, I didn't have a suit rip before. It was after the race. Um, yeah, I pulled, I pulled the strap down for anyone that maybe isn't into swimming. Swim racing suits are so tight. And so normally girls get a friend to pull it out, you know, pull the shoulders down just to help. And so we're pulling the shoulder down and it ripped right down the front. Um, <laughs> so boobs are out. Like it was like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, but luckily it was after the race. So it was chill. It was a bit of a laugh and, you know, there wasn't much to it. Um, but yeah, suit rips equipment failures they're bound to happen at some point and it's just about trying to stay calm really isn't it rather than just get frantic um, yeah exactly and it's um you just got to be prepared and control the things you can control and if things go wrong you just got to try and deal with it with a cool head as much as you can even though there's all panic and some people do actually swim better when things do go wrong as well mm-hmm. it kind of throws them off a little bit yeah it, yeah it makes them focus on something else other than what they're up to um have you ever done because obviously freestyle technically you can do any stroke for freestyle um so have you ever done a freestyle event a different stroke i obviously you're a freestyler so you're probably less likely to but did you ever do that in a race or not no i never did <laughs> from the age of 16 i never did any other stroke oh yeah so fair enough <laughs> Oh, well, I did a 400 back short course at Stockport and then an 800 back long course. I don't know why. I don't even know what times I went. I think the 400 I went for, I did, I did do quite well. Um, short course, I did 420 something for 400 back. So I was like, I'll take that. That's good. Can't remember the 800. I just remember thinking, what am I doing halfway through the race, to be honest? That's a long one. Some of my fondest memories are actually from my old swimming club at Tiger Sharks and we used to just have like local Southern Junior Leagues and um, Summer League, Winter League and that would be all like relays and like fun and like I'd be racing my friends so they're actually some of the best competitions that I've done and um, yeah we used to just love it we used to love it and back to back racing um, and all so they're probably some of my favorite memories yeah 
back-to-back racing and going on the bus to wherever we were racing and we'd all like be singing and all sorts so it's like you do look back and they're some of my favorite memories what about you yeah definitely no just from what you've just said you know the when you're junior those are you know some of the best memories for me and the relays with the girls and stuff like that and I remember being at my um, first club Saracens and I got put on the breaststroke for the medley relay and I was because I was the only one that could really do all right I think in it and I refused to do it (laughs) I just refused I was like I'm not doing breaststroke I'm not doing breaststroke right up until I was stood on the blocks and the coach was stood next to me and he was like, you can do it, you can do breaststroke. And so I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm stood on the blocks. I'm going, I'm not doing breaststroke. And I did do it. Of course I did. Um, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't know who I was, who I thought I was like this big, tough, oh, I'm not doing it, but of course I did it. I don't know how I did, but you know, it's just those moments where you look back on and you do have a laugh and, and just like we've just said, the back-to-back racing, I loved back-to-back racing I loved regionals and counties and stuff like that where you'd be in race out in race out and I used to race really well doing that now I'd probably die a slow painful death with the lactate but yeah like just great memories all the way through and talking about lactate what was the highest yours ever got to because I'm interested you being a distance athlete I don't know in training it got up to 14 oh nice that's good that's high, yeah. no? Yeah, for a distance from I think. Yeah, I could produce a bit of lactate. What about you? Yeah, go on, Jazz. I thought you'd be like, oh, I was about six, you know. <laughs> Olympic final, about six. <laughs> um, no, mine got up to 21 at the Commonwealth Games holding camp. And it was only six, I think it was 6.50s freestyle off um, descending rest. And I just, the last one, I think I just fell in, basically. I just had so much lactate. <laughs> And um, Mikey P, good old Mikey P, took my latte at the end. And uh, it was, yeah, it was 21 and I was just in so much pain. Well, we've loved sharing our stories and moments throughout our sporting careers through competitions and stuff. Again, thank you so much for listening. We have really enjoyed it and we hope that you can get something from it. And there's plenty more that we can share and, yeah, really go through that journey with you. So, um, yeah keep listening and don't forget there'll be new episodes out every Wednesday. So stay tuned.